0: In the future, and we're already starting to see this, many people will say, I don't necessarily wanna work in New York City, which is high taxes and my apartment is expensive. I would love to work in Costa Rica. I'll do Zoom calls, I'll work nine to five, whatever you know uh, time zone I'm in. I can get a wonderful villa and I'm gonna live a global lifestyle, a nomadic lifestyle.
1: Welcome to the Going Global Podcast, brought to you by Globalization Partners. Hire anyone, anywhere, quickly and easily. Use our AI-driven, automated, fully compliant global employer record platform, powered by our in-house worldwide HR experts with 97% customer satisfaction ratings. Globalization Partners, succeed faster. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Going Global, the podcast where leaders of high-growth companies tell us their own stories of going global and building global remote teams. I'm your host, Diego Mendiburu, and remember that you can find all episodes of this show on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. On today's show, we're going to interview Alan Kosky. Alan is President and Chief Innovation Officer at Insured Nomads, an insured tech focused on the healthcare needs of expatriates, remote workers, and business travelers. Hello, Alan, and welcome. Hi. So, Alan, I want to start with a personal question, because you clearly are a big fan of traveling. You have said that you've visited over 70 countries. So how did the pandemic disrupt your lifestyle and your hobby of traveling all over the world?
0: Yeah, it really has put a cramp in things. It's interesting. I still have the opportunity to talk to people all around the world through Zoom calls, etc. But it's not quite the same as you know going out to dinner, having a conversation. And of course, in our business, we would visit hospital facilities and get an idea of the healthcare systems in those countries. And, mm-hmm. and certainly, you can't do that right now. And I think, lastly. It's just getting the idea of how the location supports the globally mobile person. And you really don't get that when you're not traveling. Even the little things like traveling through an airport and running into somebody, just having an off-the-record conversation about what they're seeing worldwide, that just doesn't happen right now. It's kind of sad, but here's the good news. With the vaccine, maybe in late 2021, we'll be back on
1: the road again. I'm pretty sure you already know where are you going to travel as soon as you can, right?
0: Uh, I've got a lot of credits, so uh, (laughs) Scotland, Budapest, Poland, other locations will be calling.
1: So we've heard the word nomad, and of course we know what that word means, but what does it mean in this day and age? Is it the same as a digital nomad? I've also heard that concept. In one interview you mentioned the term global geek worker of the future, and I really like that. Are all those the same? How would you differentiate them?
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So. A digital nomad right now can either describe somebody or describe a unique visa that certain countries are offering right now. Barbados and Estonia would be great examples is in the past, if you wanted to work there and you were somebody who is not a resident, you might be able to work for a while on a tourist visa. But now they're offering what's called digital nomad visas, which will allow you to stay up to a year or longer should you petition You filed for this visa and then you have to show you have a certain amount of income that you earn and you'll work basically online. So digital nomads is a unique visa, but I look at it a more broad based term is in the future. And we're already starting to see this. Many people will say, I don't necessarily want to work in New York City, which is high taxes and my apartment is expensive. I would love to work in Costa Rica. I'll do Zoom calls, I'll work nine to five, whatever time zone I'm in. I can get a wonderful villa, and I'm gonna live a global lifestyle, a nomadic lifestyle. So I think we're seeing more of that. And to your comment, which is really very insightful, which is about the global gig worker. Mm -hmm. We're already seeing this. People don't necessarily need to go into the office in the future to be successful. And the organizations are saying, we've learned that people are very productive at home. So we're not gonna force you to come in and wherever you work is okay by us. And there's a certain amount of people are saying, well, I think I'd like to work in Croatia, Costa Rica, Estonia, some of the places that are very popular right now. Uh, We've seen a fair amount of people that have decided to live in Portugal. And this is not just Americans, this is of all nationalities. And their kind of conversation is cost of living is great. The quality of life is wonderful, and I can still do my job efficiently and effectively. And I think that's a real trend. One thing about globalization partners is, as, as an organization, you guys do a wonderful job supporting those type of people. And I think in the future, we're going to see more and more say that I don't necessarily want to get on a train, go into a big city, you know, spend hours going into a big city, and then pay high taxes, and then spend an hour going home when I can live somewhere really nice.
1: So what are the challenges of this new world where you can have this kind of professionals working like that? And what are the challenges for the workers? You know, how can they feel that all their needs are covered? And of course, what are the challenges for the companies that are hiring them? How can they retain them and offer them a similar package of benefits to those received by the workers that are indeed working in the company headquarters?
0: That's really the, the tremendous question. At the end of the day, a lot of these people are going to global locations, but they really don't know the system in which they put themselves. So I'll talk uh, healthcare for a second, which is really our area of expertise. Think about if you've come from the United States where you've had a, you know, coverage with your US based provider, and now you go to a place like Portugal hmm. where the waiting period before you get healthcare, there's a national health system but maybe Portuguese is your second language, maybe you actually may not have a great working knowledge of Portuguese. And you say to yourself, well, I need to make sure I have healthcare coverage and I need it to be mobile. I need it to help me find the Western training with speaking doctors, cause that's what I'm comfortable with. So that's an interesting area. The other area from the corporate perspective is all of a sudden they have an employee that works for them that is in another country that they may not have you know, set up in corporation and this is a rare, great example where they should perhaps be on a PEO like yourselves, because they don't understand what they've just added from a tax liability and, and legal perspective. So in my area at Insured Nomads, we spend a lot of time saying to people, you don't understand the healthcare system that you're involved in. So we're going to do our best to help you. And a lot of people move into these systems too and say, if I get really sick, I'm still going to go back home. Uh-huh. So they don't realize they're gonna need evacuation coverage. And then one of the other things that I think is interesting in the programs that we're endeavoring is we've even had to add in some of our policies, cyber protections and wifi because they'll go overseas and not realize that unless you have good Wi-Fi, it's kind of hard to work if yeah. the wifi is always dropping. And that's a big piece that we get. So maybe the best answer here is it may look simple packing up and going to Costa Rica, but then you get there. You've got to make sure you've got good healthcare, You've got your Wi-Fi. You've got, you know, VPN. You've got the protections that you're used to at home. And maybe from the corporate space, and I think this is a great opportunity for you, is you don't put yourself into a legal situation that you're not used to. Like, for instance, maybe you didn't do your visa properly, and then they ask you to leave. And that's one of the reasons why I think the digital nomad visas are so interesting. It's an interesting world out there. And I think it's gonna get more complex as most people go to one of 130 countries. There are some countries obviously folks don't go to, but we're starting to see a wider swath of locations, and each one of them have a unique cultural situation and a unique healthcare situation and taxi situation and visa situation. Uh-huh. All these should be thought about during this process.
1: Yeah. So it might be obvious for some people out there, but I think we have to say it. Why would a company bother to be worried about this and to make sure that they do offer all these benefits to hire digital nomads and nomads in general? I mean, what kind of talent is doing this and why would that talent be valuable for a company?
0: It's interesting because most organizations now feel that unless you've had a global assignment, you will not have an entree to upper management Mm -hmm. because that global cultural information that you get dealing with other folks, most companies have great needs and diversity, et cetera. It's almost something that needs to be done for everybody. And I think part of the thing about traveling global or working global is you see that there are great ideas from all over the world and interesting, wonderful people who have got great talent. Not all the talent resides in the home office. And I think that's an area of great support. I think from a corporate perspective, too, it has to do with the employees also. A lot of them are saying, you know, I don't want to take the traditional approach. I may be somebody who has a special or unique talent. Please support me in the way that my lifestyle is most efficient. And I think this is a generational thing. You know, baby boomers look at things much differently than millennials or Generation Z. And I think Generation Z and millennials are actually asking more of their corporate partners to help support them in their personal growth. And This is a personal growth issue too. One of the greatest books I ever read was Rick Steves' Travel as a Political Act. I would love to have everybody read this because very often we all get stuck into the thinking that everything we do is done correctly or best here. And what I love about that book is it, it opens your mind to other ideas. And one of those examples was like Portugal recently redid many of their drug laws mm-hmm. and that had a lot of interesting controversy in the U.S. And this last election cycle, Oregon voted in very similar laws. It's interesting that unless people have studied how things have worked well in Portugal, they would be very worried about what's happening in Oregon, but it worked out fantastically there. Even in my healthcare space, you know, you see these wonderful trends that aren't just from the United States and Europe, that all around the world, people are empowering through their Android or Apple phones to stay healthy, to understand the different healthcare systems, To pay their claims. It's a new world out there. And I think the more people see and meet different people around the world, I think the better off we'll all be on this planet.
1: Connecting to the last question, could you describe what a digital nomad looks like? I mean, is there a common set of characteristics they share? Maybe the kind of work they do or the kind of goals they have? Because you mentioned Estonia and other countries that have this digital visa. And as far as I know, It is mostly for people doing tech-related stuff, you know, like developers and blockchain experts and things like that. But maybe I'm wrong, you tell me. This is one of the issues. It's hard to define this group, but you're actually correct. It tends to be
0: folks that are very much high information, high tech. I've also heard from a lot of people that global nomads is actually a mindset. Somebody who wants to be involved in the world, not just live in their own country, spend time overseas, and learn as much as they can about other cultures and systems as they bring that back to the office. It just so happens that people that are very technologically proficient, it's easier for them to make the transition to being a global nomad. But I love your definition because that's what a lot of the folks look like. But on the other hand, from a global nomad perspective, I look at it as a mindset and well, I may not be the most technologically proficient person in the world. If you added up all the time I've spent outside of my home country, it probably adds up to two or three years of time always wanting to meet new folks. I actually believe maybe I fit that role, you fit that role, people that I guess aren't content just to sit at home and let the world come to them. Yeah. I believe, you know, looking at history, looking at what happened after the 1918-1919 pandemic, right after World War I, people went one of three ways. One group decided they wanted to go to Paris and explore the world because they lived through this pandemic and this horrible war and they wanted to engage. Then there was another group that went back to the farms and they got very isolationist and kind of said, after this horrible experience, we're very content to be at home. And then there was a third group that life went on as normal. I think after this pandemic, we're going to have a very similar thing. We're going to have one third you know, the numbers may be a little off. They're going to say, I'm going to explore the world. I've lived through this unique. There's enough pent-up demand here to travel. And that's the folks that I think are going to be the digital nomads that were interested. Hopefully, we'll get the isolationists comfortable enough that they're willing to travel again and see the world is not as scary a place as they may think it is. And then there are those who life goes on as normal, had their trips already scheduled, their business assignments already scheduled, and say, listen, I'm just going to pick up
1: where I left off. So maybe asking you, does that sound like a hopeful thesis for us going forward? Yeah, totally. I mean, what we are experiencing is that that lifestyle is easier than ever. You know, like the concept of a digital nomad has been floating around for probably 10, 15 years. But now the planet as a whole almost was forced to truly experience the core of that lifestyle, which is. With one computer, with one digital device, you can do it all. Anywhere you are, anywhere you can find an internet connection. So yeah, I guess the barriers are lower now. So it's probably easier for anyone, even those that are not as adventurous or wouldn't define themselves as an adventure person like me. Why not? I mean, we can do it, right?
0: It's amazing to me. And I'll share this one story. So before the pandemic, I went to Cambodia to help build homes. And I was really worried that, you know, it would be very difficult for me to get Wi-Fi and, you know, continue doing some work while we were also helping people there. And the amazing thing to me was I got Wi-Fi literally in every little hamlet. Wow. Uh, and we were way out of the cities in Cambodia. It really drove home the point that you could be a nomad <laughs> from almost anywhere. You know, you're 300 miles away from a major city and here's perfectly situated Wi-Fi. And it really showed me how the world had changed. Because 10 years previous, I, I would go overseas and you would barely have any support. You would, you know, you would have maybe at the hotel, you might be able to. It's a wonderful world change. And I think it brings all of us together. And hopefully, it's a force for good.
1: Yeah. So now we have this scenario where we have like the digital nomads, and then you have companies who will try to catch up and modify you know, their processes and regulations in order to satisfy them. So I guess, how do you think labor laws will change in order to accommodate this new reality of remote first and nomad workers?
0: It's interesting because we're already seeing that early trend for the first time, that digital nomad visa as an idea is really starting to transcend from just a few countries, mostly in the Caribbean, to a lot of locations around the world. So I think if people make their visa restrictions, less onerous. We're going to see a real explosion of the digital nomads. The other thing is the tax rules. And the United States is very difficult, especially if you're American, with some of the tax rules because you're taxed on worldwide income unless you're gone for more than 330 days. But actually, the other thing that's interesting is a lot of the banking rules. For instance, in the US, FATCA makes it very hard for somebody to get, an American in particular, to get a foreign bank account because it extends the liability to those banks. Other countries have similar laws that make it difficult for people to be mobile. I think in the future, as we're seeing more digital nomads and more companies want to support this, they will lobby governments to change their restrictive rules, either on tax, visa, banking, that will make it easier for somebody to work somewhere for a period of time without being a citizen or applying for citizenship. We're already seeing that in Dubai, which tries really hard to get as many people to work there as possible. So I believe there's gonna be a race in the next few years to make it really easy for somebody to work in certain countries because it helps their economy. I mean, we've all heard about different countries that have brain drains. If you have people all going to a location, digital hubs, I think that's gonna be the wave of the future. People are gonna be competing To have intelligent, hardworking, unique people coming to work in their country, and that obviously will be a bounty for everybody. And right now, if you look at a country like Estonia, that's a perfect example of a country that has kind of gotten the message that let's reverse brain drain. Let's get some marvelous people to come to a wonderful quality of life and join us here.
1: So one of the biggest issues concerning remote workers is how their benefits package has to change in order to satisfy this new set of needs in this new world where they can work anywhere. So, sure. wh- what would you say that are the top priorities for nomad workers regarding their benefit packages? First
0: off, I think it's going to be, if you use a British word here, it's very bespoke. It's got to be bespoke. People need to pick the plan or design and the system that works for them. So, just going down the list from a healthcare perspective, depending on the country you're going, you have to make sure you're over the minimum mandatory benefit. And those programs need to build for that. Certain countries that have great healthcare systems, you might have to decide how you're going to integrate into that system. Other countries that don't have great healthcare systems, you might want to have a globally mobile system, maybe a global program, as opposed to contracting into the national system. Obviously, visa status. So uh, there's a lot of components to making sure your visas, first, you have to apply, you have to show you have a certain amount of income, you have to show you have healthcare, You have to show you evacuation coverage. I think that those issues all come together. But if you're really boiling it down without getting too deep in the details, it's going to be a bespoke program built by country, by individual. And the other question that people tend to forget is, let's say we're sending you to go work in Estonia. It's quite a bit different if you're going to be working in Estonia and just pretty much staying in Estonia all the time versus... Working in Estonia and going to Finland and Russia and the, into the EU. So you have to build the mobility components. And this is an area a lot of people forget. They'll put somebody under a local plan. But the local plan doesn't help you when you travel for business throughout the region. So you need to have a plan that's also mobile with you or if you want to return home on vacation or for healthcare, care, et cetera. The most important thing is you've got to make sure that's tech-enabled. One of the things about these nomads is it better be on an app, must be on the phone, it must be easy to deal with, it must also maybe even have geo-positioning, so it helps you get to the correct provider. If there's a security risk, the positioning might send you a warning. It's got to be cashless payment to providers. It's got to be something that is also beyond just The typical, for instance, we've had a lot of requests that these nomads travel so much they would like access to a club lounge if they're stuck at an airport. So let's build that into the program because they travel so much and they have so many planes canceled or delayed. Let's get in the club lounge so I can work efficiently and show up at that meeting ready to go. So there's also some comfort items that these people are asking for, like we already talked about earlier. Can you give me some VPN, some Wi-Fi? Can you give me a panic button if I'm somewhere I'm worried and give me club lounge access? And the list will continue to grow.
1: Yeah. So now talking more specifically about insured nomads, any company can approach you and insured nomads to build this benefits package, including obviously the most important thing is health insurance, but you obviously also help freelancers, right? And people that independent contractors that also have adopted this nomad lifestyle and want to insurance themselves. So uh, you can work for both kinds of clients, right?
0: Right. As a matter of fact, I think the client group that we're seeing most now, because corporate is not they're not moving as many people as we are basically supporting more individuals now than ever before. And the program is set up that you purchase it individually, you pick the benefits and the comfort items that you like, and it's fulfilled bespoke to your own needs. And I think what's really exciting about it is it's also very much tech enabled. And you mentioned about tech earlier. tech is really empowering the individual to take control with all the tools and support items of their healthcare and wellness needs, whether it's themselves, their family. It's to give them good advice and counsel about what might be an excellent hospital or clinic to go to, what's the medical conditions. It really is an era ahead of us of empowerment. Insurtech is not the old model of you have to call in to the corporation or the insurer to get your information. You can find it right at the tip of your fingertips, on the app, on your phone. You can empower yourself. You still have the ability to call somebody and get support if you have a medical question, if you have a worry, but there's so many items that you can really take care of yourself. Yeah. Like being Apple Pay to pay for your medical claim instead of the old days where you used to have to call back to an insurance carrier and ask them to pay
1: for you. So also to understand how companies like yours have transformed the industry, if a Nomad worker wants to pay for his own health insurance, what would those options be like five years ago? And what are their options now?
0: Actually, right now, because we're starting to see the bespoke nature of healthcare that a lot of employers are saying to people, go pick your own plan, pick what works for you. Like you want, you know, if you're somebody who wears glasses, do you want to have enhanced vision coverage? Do you want you, you want to have you know dental? What type of deductible? out of pockets and benefit levels you want for medical. You purchase the program, we'll reimburse you either through expense account basis or we'll give you a stipend. But we want to empower you to pick the program you want. And actually corporations are also saying in the past, I might have one healthcare plan for my 50 people around the world. And now they're starting to say, you know what? Why don't I basically have 50 plans for my 50 people around the world? Let them choose because everybody's setup is different. And I think that that also makes it easier for them because in the past, most of the questions would come back to benefit staff. Now the digital nomad can directly work through the app on all the issues that they need and they can have their family more empowered. And remember, there's a lot more split families out there. Hmm. And dad might go work in Costa Rica, but the children may be at college in the United States or Europe or anywhere and or travel. So there's a lot more permutations out there in countries and living arrangements, et cetera. So your question is really germane. What has really changed? Well, five or 10 years ago, almost everything involved a phone call back to the home office or the carrier. Nowadays, very few phone calls back to the home office or the carrier. You can get it almost all digitally empowered through your phone.
1: So let's imagine someone has heard this podcast and suddenly finds this nomadic lifestyle really attractive. What would be the first step you would recommend this person to take? How can they take care of their health and their own security and start planning their life and their family life plans uh, for this nomadic lifestyle?
0: This is a question I get quite a bit that seems really basic is my suggestion to people is if you're thinking of going to a particular location, there tend to be groups of Digital Nomads are already there and they have a lot of associations and I would literally just go online and try to find, you know, digital nomads, the country, and then maybe reach out to some of those people and say, you know, what do I need to know? Who should I talk to? And you can always get some great insights. We have a lot of good information at our Insured Nomads website. You have a lot of great information at the Globalization Partner website, there's so much public information that that gives people an opportunity to do research. The people that have trouble with these assignments are the ones who blindly go into them saying, this is just gonna be like an extended trip or vacation. And it never turns out that way, but if you're prepared, You'll know the cultural issues. You'll know the visa issues. You'll know the healthcare challenges. I'll give you a, a healthcare challenge. I mean, if somebody blindly moves to Singapore and they have a family member on Ritalin, Ritalin is a controlled substance there. That's not going to work out very well for you. But <laughs> if you research first, you avoid that issue. So there are a lot of groups out there that will help you research so you don't make those same mistakes that others have that have just packed up and gone without that much detail, thinking that it's going to be a really simple and easy affair.
1: So, I mean, we've been talking about this the whole uh, conversation, but again, what do you think is the future for nomadic workers after the pandemic is over?
0: Well, first off, I think the future is very bright for this lifestyle. I think for the first time, we now have employers understanding that people can work at home or somewhere and be very productive. As you know, in the past, it was very difficult for somebody to say, I'd like to work from home and because the the mentality was, let's get you in the office. So people have learned that this lifestyle works. So I think the employers are supportive. I think the employees now, and many of them were not very tech-enabled, have learned that I can survive on Zoom. As a matter of fact, not survive, I can thrive. So why don't I thrive somewhere I enjoy? So I think that's very bright. I do believe that there's also going to be a real rush to support these people because any community can use digital nomads' knowledge, excitement, enthusiasm in their community. Also, financially, they bring good things to the particular countries or cities and locations and where they go. So I think laws are going to change, visa statuses are going to change, and organizational structures will support that. And then maybe the last thing I'll mention is the millennials and Generation Z are much more adventurous than baby boomers and Generation X. Uh, and frankly, I, I believe generation is a lot more intellectually curious than many of us are, too. And I think people are going to be looking for that adventure and that global experience, typically to round out their career or start their career. And for that, I tip my hat to all those that are looking for a different approach in their life. Like I said, I think travel as a political act is not only a book, but a mantra. I think we can learn from everybody. And that's one of the great things about being in the global space. And I hope you agree with that thesis.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to finish with a personal question. We started with a personal question and we will finish with a personal question. How has your nomadic lifestyle changed your view of the world? How has it changed you on a personal level?
0: I'll answer that by a story. I went to Amman, Jordan on a business trip, and most of the Americans were not leaving the hotel. They were very worried. And I ambled out and was I needed a haircut. Very simple thing, but four blocks away from the hotel, there was a local barber, did not speak English. I did I couldn't speak the local language. Went in there and basically we finger pointed the gentleman cut my hair wonderfully with a straight edge razor. It was the best haircut I ever had. He pantomimed everything. We shared some Turkish coffee and it was a wonderful experience. And I came back and the folks that were with me who were not leaving, like that's the best haircut you ever got. And I explained to them that haircut with a straight edge razor four blocks away by myself. And they were basically in horror, but they wanted haircut. And then I, I said, well, why don't you come with me? We'll go down there. So I took two of them down there. They two had haircut. The person who was cutting my hair was almost in tears. And I thought enough of the haircut to bring my friends back. pantomimed. And I was just thinking to myself, it's about getting out of the bubble. It's about trusting others. And I think that that day really opened my eyes. And one of the things I try to do on any global trip, not that I've got a lot of hair left, but I'd let my hair grow before the trip. And I try to get a haircut locally, wherever I am, and try to dialogue as best as I can with the locals. And I learn a lot. I had a haircut in Kosovo last year, and it was a wonderful experience. But just getting out of the bubble, and you learn so much, and you realize that it's a great world out there, and people's hearts are generally in the correct
1: spot. That's lovely. I love the anecdotes. And this is a space where that, I mean, that's what we think the podcast should look like, you know, a space where people can tell their anecdotes, their own experiences of going global. But I guess going global not only in a business level, but as you just explained to us on a personal level, we can go global also in a personal level, right? Exactly. So, Alan, maybe you want to share, you know, a web address of your company or any other information for people to contact you? Sure. If anybody wants to learn some more, you can
0: go to www.insurednomads.com or If you enjoy what I had to talk about today, please link in with me. I'm eager to link in with people and answer questions, dialogue with others, learn their issues. And certainly, I really appreciate the time today. Great questions, great fun. And I hope we can do it again someday.
1: Thank you. It has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Ellen. And that's it. This is the end of our show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember that you can find all past episodes on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you are planning to hire a new global team member, remember that Globalization Partners makes it easy to onboard international talent in a matter of days. Go to globalization-partners.com to get started. This is Going Global. Presented by Globalization Partners.